1-855-821-5900 is the number to get hold of Lior. It's Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com, too, to find out what you really owe, the amount you should be getting in that severance letter you've got in front of you. I guarantee you the number is going to be wrong in a big way. We'll get to that here in just a bit. Will we always start, pal, with the week that was? How was the week? Hey, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and great to be back here. Great to talk about employment law. Uh, we'll have an interesting uh, situation, uh, interesting uh, show today. We have a special guest, which we'll get into. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking later today about how we actually go about resolving employment yeah. disputes, the process that one has to go through. So uh, I'm going to tell you about two matters that I resolved uh, actually just uh, before the weekend. And I think there's, uh, there's some interesting lessons there. and It's going to tie into what we're going to talk about later. So uh, both of them had to do with you know very simple situations where the severance package was just completely inadequate. Uh, first matter, uh, I had a gentleman plant manager for five years, you know, making good salary, about a hundred thousand dollars, forty-seven years old, and uh, was let go simply because uh, the company was was cutting costs, and they figured that they don't need an actual plant manager. They had two supervisors, and and they figured that 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 would do it. They don't need a plant manager. Did nothing wrong. And when he was let go, the company uh, sent him a nice letter of termination, offering him 13 weeks. That's three months. And uh, they they said, you know, we think this is a very generous offer. And the meeting that they had with him, they told him, yeah, this is a very generous offer. We're offering you three months pay. So uh, we're sure you're going to be happy to accept this. And uh, he was one of what I call Leor's army. He's been hearing our show. He's even talked to me in the past uh, with respect to another matter that he had with a previous employer. And so he called me, uh, and uh, we spoke, and within about 30 seconds of speaking to him, I told him, well, no, three months, not only is that not good enough, it's less than half of what you wrote. I assessed him as being owed somewhere between seven to eight months' pay. Uh, so I uh, wrote a letter to the company. Fast forward uh, literally a week and a half, 10 days later, we resolved this matter on the basis of seven months' pay. Uh, nice. Very straightforward, very easy. Uh, and 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 by the way, John, on good terms here, on, on very good terms with his uh, previous employer, they they parted uh, not not as enemies and not uh, in a very confrontational way. And oftentimes these disputes do resolve in that way where you're not burning bridges. So this was a, a matter that resolved simply with a couple of letters back and forth. Second matter I'll tell you about also resolved this week. Uh, again, another gentleman that was in a sales position for 15 years. And uh, when he was let go, he was offered six months pay. Uh, in that case, we actually had to start a claim, legal action, simply because in response to the letter, the company improved its offer, but not enough. So uh, so we uh, sent the claim and, and ended up at a mediation. We'll talk more about mediation later. And we resolved it just before the weekend on the basis of 14 months pay. So we had improved it by over, uh, by, by over twice. And that process took about three months. And those two cases that I've just told you about, the reason I've told you about them, it's not because there's anything unique about them, John. The reason I mention them is because those are such common cases, probably the most common cases, where a matter either resolves very quickly within a week or so or a couple of weeks with a letter or two back and forth, or a matter resolving in a claim after a claim is commenced at a mediation uh, and, 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 you know, within two or three months. That's what really the process is like. A lot of people are concerned, are afraid about pursuing their entitlements because they think the process is overly long, it's complicated, it's expensive. While that may be true, John, for other types of legal disputes, 
it's not usually true for employment disputes. So I always encourage people, don't hesitate to pursue your rights. Don't be afraid of the process. Don't be afraid of this taking years. It just won't. It's going to resolve and it's going to resolve on good terms. And I know you mentioned in the past about uh, you know your first case, uh, the thing ending amicably. And, and quite often, as you mentioned, part of the process or part of the package is that employer will write a favorable letter to said employee to send them on their way, which is kind of cool too. It is always part of a settlement discussion negotiation uh, that we negotiate a letter of reference or a letter of recommendation. So it's exactly, not only do we, do we part with a handshake, but we can also get a letter of reference that you can use when you're searching for new employment. So it is so important to get this right because you do need that letter if you want to find another job. So again, more reason, as you've just alluded to, to, to get that advice and make sure that, that your, your legal rights are protected. Again, first case, three months, proper seven months. So give us some details on the severance pay calculator, how anybody could have figured that number out. That's right. You know, I told you that that uh, he called me the first gentleman, and within thirty seconds, I told him right. what he was owed. Well, he could have taken twenty seconds and used the severance calculator. So you go to severancepaycalculator.com and you input three pieces of information: your age, your position, and the length of your employment. That's it. You pick it from a drop-down menu, so you don't you don't even need to think hard. And you're done. It tells you whether you're owed three months pay if you lost your job, 12 months pay, 15, 18, whatever it is. It tells you, it calculates for you how much you're owed. So if you just lost your job and you're wondering, wait a second, they told me that the three-month offer is great, you don't need to wonder. You don't need to, to uh, go on a message board or ask your Uncle Hank whether it's a good offer. You go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out, and tell others about it as well. SeverancePayCalculator.com is the website. We'll take a quick break here. After we uh, come back, we'll get to a guy named Barry Fisher, who is an employment mediator. Very interesting stuff coming up here. You want to know how it works on the inside. All the details and mediation are coming up after a uh, short one. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, Lior at EmploymentHour.com. You want to throw us an email. We'll get to some of those as the hour progresses as well. The Employment Hour Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. Lior L I O R at employmenthour.com. You can always go to Severance Pay Calculator again. Find out what you're really owed. Uh, good opening segment there, uh, Lior. We're going to get to a friend of yours now, Barry Fisher, who's an employment mediator. Give me some details. Yeah, Barry uh, is uh, someone that I've worked with for for many many years, and he's a, a mediator, an arbitrator, and his job essentially is to to resolve employment disputes, to help parties, employees, and employers resolve employment disputes. Since we've been talking on the show about the process that one goes through to resolve disputes, uh, I thought it would be helpful to have Barry on the show because sometimes when a dispute can't resolve without legal action, legal action is commenced and invariably it ends up at a mediation Mm -hmm. in front of someone like Barry. So I wanted for uh, the benefit of our listeners, for them to understand what is this mediation? Is it something they should be afraid of? Is it a big deal? Uh, And I invited Barry to join us and give us some of his perspective. So Barry, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Pleasure, Lear. Nice to see you. Here you again. Thank you, Barry. And so let's start off. uh, You're a mediator. Tell those that don't understand and don't know, what does a mediator actually do? Okay, well, I'm going to start with by saying what a mediator doesn't do. A mediator (laughs) is not a judge. So um, what I do is I help people uh, to arrive at a mutually agreeable settlement. Um, Sometimes, uh, so I use different techniques to get there, but at the end of the day, I can't force anyone to make a decision. Um, I can try to persuade them, but at the end of the day, they are the authors of their own fortune or misfortune for that matter. 
And do you, do you find that a lot of people come to you when you're mediating and, and wanting you to make that decision and tell them if they're right or wrong or, or make people do something? Well, I'm what's called an evaluative mediator. There's different types of mediators, and I put myself on the evaluative scale. So one of the reasons people hire me is because I do have a presumably an extensive knowledge of employment law. I did practice employment law for 20 years, <coughs> excuse me, uh, acting uh, both for employees and employers. So I bring to the table not only a knowledge of um, mediation practice, but I, I, I think I'm hired often because I have a, a good base knowledge of uh, employment law. So yes, people uh, do come in part because um, uh, I hope they respect my opinion on, on what I think the merits of the case are. Now, Barry, before we talk specifically about how the mediation works and really what it is, uh, tell me what are the most common types of uh, employment disputes that you come across? The core of most employment cases is the determination of what reasonable notice is. Uh, I'm sure anyone who's listened to your show for more than a few weeks understands the basis of employment law. In a non-unionized setting, an employer can uh, terminate anyone for any reason whatsoever as long as they provide them with what's called reasonable notice. Now, if they have something called just cause, that's a different story. So one of the issues I will look at is whether or not there's cause. Another issue is if they don't have just cause and they don't have an employment contract, then the determination of reasonable notice. Um, having said that, I also spend a lot of time uh, lately, especially in the last couple of years, arguing or working with parties as to determine whether or not employment agreements are enforceable or not. Because if they are enforceable, then the person just gets what the contract says. And if they're not enforceable, then you're into the doctrine of reasonable notice, which is, in almost every single case, more generous than the contract. Right. And and obviously, uh, and, and our listeners would know this when we talk about reasonable notice, oftentimes, uh, you know, we refer to that as severance, the amount of compensation someone gets in lieu of notice. So oftentimes, as Barry says, his job is to help the parties decide how much compensation should someone get as a result of the loss of their job. Now, Barry, for those that have not been through uh, mediation before, uh, tell us exactly what it is and how it works. Okay, well, first of all, it's mandatory in three areas of, Tor of Ontario, Toronto, Windsor, and Ottawa. So if a lawsuit is started in any of those provinces, in any of those um, districts, you must go to mediation before you can get a trial date. And, and in Toronto now, before you can even bring a motion for summary judgment in many cases. Outside those three areas, it's voluntary. So the first thing is the parties uh, generally need to agree on who the mediator is. There is a process uh, where the government can appoint someone. But in, in most cases, the parties agree on mediation. And that's really important in the sense that these two parties probably hate each other, and the lawyers may actually not get along very well. But the one thing they end up agreeing on is who is the mediator. So that creates a common bond right there. Um, we determine upon agreement the, lo the location and the place of the mediation. Um, and then they attend typically at my office, where I have uh, two separate rooms. Um, I'm not a believer in putting the parties together unless they want to be. That's called the joint caucus. Um, I used to do that. A lot of mediators still do. I have found that that's not effective at all. So I immediately separate the parties, and I go back and forth in a shuttle diplomacy, so to speak, back and forth between the rooms. So I try to create an atmosphere where the uh, anxiety and the tension is as low as possible. It's always an anxious process, but I, I, I try not to make it worse. 
And over the years, I've found that making the parties face each other and talk to each other actually makes it worse rather than better. And Barry, uh, tell us, uh, you know, how long does a mediation actually take? And, and what, what, is, what, what are the parties supposed to do when they're there, once they're there? The, the most lawyers uh, book what's called a half day, which in our world is three hours. Uh, I would say the average mediation goes between three and four hours. Um, I spend, uh, um, uh, uh, I meet with whoever first I think is going to be more helpful, quite frankly. Uh, I usually meet with the plaintiff first. Um, I'm not looking to get offers on the first round, which some mediators do also. I'm looking to find out more about the facts and understand the people. Uh, before the mediation, I've received what's called a mediation brief, which is um, a document prepared by the lawyer, which is hopefully supposed to give me some insight as to what the issues are. Quite frankly, the quality of those briefs uh, varies significantly. Um, so sometimes when I go into mediation, uh, I know a lot about the case. Other times I don't know so much. So I spend the first period of time finding out more about the case, finding out what's important, and more importantly, finding out what's not important. Lawyers, have a, uh, lawyers and clients have a bad habit, frankly, of throwing a lot of uh, peripheral issues, garbage issues, quite frankly, uh, in the litigation. So part of my job is to what I call peel away the onion. I try to get rid of the more uh, non-core issues so that we can focus on the core issues. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick break here. Barry Fisher continues with us, employment mediator. In the meantime, the number to get hold of Lior anytime, 1 855 821 5900. The email is Lior, L I O R, at employmenthour.com. And of course, check out severancepaycalculator.com. Lots more of the employment hour is uh, coming right up here. Talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number is one 821 5900 Lior at employmenthour.com. We continue with Barry Fisher, an employment mediator. Lior. Thank you very much, and, and Barry, thanks again for being with us. Now, in my experience, I do a lot of mediations. Uh, probably one of the most effective ways to resolve disputes, mediation, and I find that the vast majority of matters that do go to mediation tend to settle and tend to resolve. Uh, tell us about your experience from, uh, from your perspective. Well, uh, actually, I did a study of this a, year, a couple of years ago where for about three years I tracked all the mediations I did, and the first thing was about 80% of them settled. Um, and that's fairly consistent across the board with experienced mediators. Uh, but what's more interesting is what happened to those other 20%. Um, at first I thought, well, that meant 20% of the cases went to court. Not at all. Of the remaining 20%, I determined that on average, uh, uh, 90, I think 95% of those cases resolved. Less than 3% went to trial. 2% just died on the vine because somebody gave up. But the important thing is 95% of the cases that didn't settle that mediation settled. And then I did another uh, set study. How long did that take? And on average, it took about eight months. And then I looked at what was the, what was the uh, result of the delayed meet the settlement. And it was about halfway between the two positions that the parties uh, left the mediation with. Now, what I didn't have a chance to track um, was how much more the legal fees had gone up in the interim. My gut reaction probably tells me that by splitting the difference in half, a large part of that half was probably eaten up by each side on legal fees. In other words, the parties lost an opportunity to settle with the mediation. It's going to settle anyways, the odds are. Why not do it at the mediation? 
Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I, uh, when when I speak to a, a prospective client and I tell them about mediation, uh, I, I tell them, you know, it's likely that the matter is going to settle. Whenever you get, you know, a bunch of people in the room for one purpose, and that, and you end up achieving that purpose, uh, and which is why I find mediation being so useful and so successful. Uh, oftentimes, I, I always try to give my clients tips. You know, here's things you want to say or do at a mediation. I'd love to get your perspective on that, Barry. Can you give us some some do's and don'ts? If you're if you've never been to a mediation, you're going to go to a mediation with your lawyer to try to di- resolve your employment dispute. Tell us some some good tips uh, for for people doing that for the first time. Probably the most important thing is come in with an open mind. What I mean by that is you are probably undoubtedly going to learn something new about your case or the other guy's case. It may uh, embolden you that your case is better, and it may not. It may weaken your case. It is very, because remember, up until this point, um, you don't know really what the other side is talking about that much, and your lawyer is only listening, has only listened to you. Uh, so sometimes the truth is in between the two positions. So the key thing is to keep your mind open. Do not come to the mediation with a predetermined bottom line. I call that a, a, like a, that's, that's a, you're making an, an obstacle to settlement. Come with an open mind. Uh, be open to change at the end of the day if the deal's not good if the deal's not as good as the alternative then of course you're not going to get a deal but don't come in with a closed mind because people tend to seize on numbers they talk to their uncle who got who had a lawsuit they talk to their wife whatever sometimes they talk to their lawyers not enough <laughs> and uh, they walk in with a with a preconceived line in the sand and uh, if I listened to everybody who told me, in the, if I had asked everybody in the first five minutes, what's your bottom line, uh, and just went home, my settlement rate would be zero. So I, frankly, just don't even listen to people when they say it's my bottom line in the first hour, especially when they tell me it's their third bottom line. <laughs> Not much of a bottom line. Yeah, exactly. Like, sir, I didn't believe you three hours ago, and you're not getting more credible right now. <laughs> One of the best expressions I ever heard is there the only bottom line is what's on the minutes of settlement that you agreed to. Yeah, what's what's ultimately on the document. Right. Now, so. now in terms of you know people being intimidated uh, about the process, uh, you know I always tell people that there's really nothing bad really that can happen as part of a mediation. In other words, your worst case scenario that you leave there with the case continuing, you can't win or lose uh, the case. Do you find that people oftentimes uh, under, uh, fail to understand that, that they think that they're going there to, to try to win their case? Um, yeah, and, and to some degree you are. I mean, you're trying to persuade, frankly, both the mediator and the other side that um, you have a good case or that your settlement is reasonable. So it's definitely mediation advocacy. It's not kumbaya hugs or anything like that. Um, and sometimes people misunderstand that. I mean, the strongest argument is when I walk into the other room and I come back to you and I say, Lior, you know what, he's got this case and this argument. And quite frankly, um, I'm having trouble understanding how he's wrong. Right. I mean, this, we, we don't settle cases outside the law. We are determining, uh, we're, we as lawyers are helping our clients determine outcomes based in a large degree, about what would likely happen in court. Now, that's not the only criteria, but it's, it's, I don't think it's doing a service to people to say the law doesn't matter. Uh, it does. It's not all-embracing. Uh, I have an expression that I often use because I'm also an arbitrator, 
which is different than a mediator. I'm actually a judge of normally matters involving collective agreements. So I have experience on both sides of, of that. And what I've always found interesting is what matters most in a mediation, the human interest, the stories, the things that motivate people, are inadmissible in an arbitration. And the things that are uh, relevant in an arbitration often are completely ignored in a mediation. So that's what that the power of a mediation is you can analyze the legal issues like it would be in court, but you can also understand the human dynamics. Um, so you could tell someone, well, I could get you $5,000 more in court, uh, but the person might say, you know what, I haven't slept properly for the last year. I want to get to sleep tonight. Yeah. So, and, and there's ooh, huge value to that. Yeah, we as lawyers sometimes you know, forget uh, or are proud of the fact that we love going to trial. Very few clients are. And if they are, they're probably a bit crazy anyways. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, that's why I always say uh, and that the, it's so unlikely for matters to go to trial. Rarely they do. Most of them resolve. And a lot of them resolve at a mediation in front of people such as Barry Fisher. So with that in mind, Barry, thank you so much for attending and, and sitting in with us today. Those comments were extremely helpful for our listeners. And hopefully we can do this again uh, in the future. I'd love to, Leo. It's a pleasure. And uh, uh, I hope I hope all the listeners don't have to use you and I to keep their jobs. But unfortunately, <laughs> okay. in today's economy, that doesn't happen. Uh, that's right. Thank you. one 855 is Lior's number. We'll take a quick break. It's Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get into the severance pay calculator. Again, like we touched off in the uh, opening segment of the show, when uh, the Employment Hour continues right here, Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 855 is that number. Lior at employmenthour.com. Thanks again to Barry Fisher, our employment mediator, for uh, spreading the knowledge and giving us uh, an inside look. He'll be back for sure on the show, guaranteed. You know, we're going to talk about the process for resolving employment disputes. You know, we always talk about how it's important to understand and enforce your legal rights in the workplace, but many people want to know if it's, uh, well, if it's difficult to actually do it. So let's talk about that. First, when when employers lose their jobs, severance is probably not the first thing in their mind, right? It's not at all, John. And we're going to talk now about how how we actually go about it. So you've told me, Lior, that I'm owed more compensation, that I lost my job, and what they've offered me is not enough. Well, how do I get that? You know, well, What do I need to do? Is it complicated? Is it long? Is it expensive? We're going to spend some time talking about that, and it relates to some of what Barry was talking about in the previous uh, couple, uh, couple of segments. So first of all, yeah, when people call me, it's rarely about the severance. It's rarely about, tell me, Lior, if this is adequate. Sometimes it is, but oftentimes what they're calling me about is simply, well, simply because they're upset. I just lost my job. I didn't do anything wrong. I think I was mistreated. I think my employer was unfair, and that's wrong. I think that's a wrongful dismissal, Lior, and I want you to do something about it. Well, as I think Barry also alluded to, at that point, I actually need to focus them on severance. And the reason why I have to focus them on severance is because ultimately the reason doesn't matter. An employer is allowed to let an employee go at any time and pretty much for any reason, as long as compensation is paid, as long as severance is paid. So you may have done nothing wrong at all. Uh, you may have done everything right, in fact, and have been the best employee. The employer can still choose for its own reasons to let you go. Or maybe your employer said you did something and you didn't really do it. Well, as long as they pay you severance, ultimately they can, they can still let you go. Now, where it becomes a wrongful dismissal is if you have not been paid the severance that you're owed or haven't been offered the, the proper amount. 
In that case, that is a wrongful dismissal. So ultimately, when someone calls me uh, when they lost their job, the discussion is going to invariably turn into compensation, to severance, because that's really the only thing the law knows how to do. It can't make a bad employer better. It simply can make sure that the employee gets the severance that they're owed when they're let go. Well, you said in there when they call you, which is the key component, right? So how common is it really in your experience for individuals after they get let go to seek legal advice to give you a call? Well, John, we have an extremely busy practice at my firm. We have several hundred people call us and contact us every single week. As busy as our practice is, and we're certainly not the only employment lawyers, those people that call us are a small fraction, a small portion of people who actually should be getting legal advice, a small fraction of people that actually lost their job. The vast majority of individuals that lose their jobs don't even think of getting legal advice, don't even think of contacting a lawyer. They either not, don't realize that they may have additional entitlements, or maybe they're scared of lawyers, scared of the process. Uh, and that's why I, I find this show so valuable, because I can inform people as to their rights, and I can hopefully have our listeners inform their friends, their family members of the same thing. But bottom line is still, there's so many individuals every single day that, that walk away from legal rights and entitlements that they have at the time when they shouldn't be doing that. In other words, if you lost your job and your former employer owes you another $30,000 and you're not going to take it, wow, what a big deal that is. You still have to pay your mortgage. You're still unemployed, no income. I think how nice having that that $30,000 in my example would be. So uh, it is uncommon, and hopefully, you know, we've made a small dent in this over the past four years of this show and informed people as to why it's so important to get legal advice. Number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. talking about the process for resolving employment disputes. So does an employee have to sue their former employee to get better severance, go all the way? Yeah, and, and you know, people always call and say, well, do I have to sue? Do I have to take my employer to court? The answer is no. In many, many, many cases, the answer is no. In fact, I would say that in most cases, we're able to resolve matters without any formal legal action. Uh, what we would do is if I spoke with someone and determined that, yes, they're owed more compensation, it's usually not going to be very controversial or complicated. So what I would do is I would simply send the employer a letter. The letter would say, I've been retained by this individual. Here's what I believe they're owed, and here's why. And then I'd make them the offer. Uh, in most cases, what happens is we would then engage the employer in a negotiation. They'll respond, we'll respond, and over the period of the next couple of weeks or so, we can resolve it. That's what happens in the vast majority of cases. It's, it's simple, it's fast, it's straightforward. Now, in some cases, the employer and employee may, may be too far apart or may have different views of entitlements. So formal legal action is required. John, the key here to understand is the fact that formal legal action has to be started does not mean at all that you're going to trial, that you're going to court. The vast majority of cases, 98% or so, don't go within 100 feet of a trial. So that's important to understand. Even if legal action is commenced, we can usually and almost always resolve it very quickly. Well, that's what Barry Fisher just said, uh, you know, a couple segments ago. That I mean, court's expensive; it's it's time consuming, and nobody wants to go down that route. And there's an easier and better way to get things resolved, right? So absolutely, and, and it's usually overkill. You know, if if the legal uh, legal uh, issues are not that complicated, and usually they're not when it comes to employment uh, law disputes. Why do we need to, to go in front of a judge? I'm sure we can find a way to resolve it ourselves. Uh, that's why matters resolve oftentimes at a mediation in front of someone like a Barry Fisher. 
but even it can often resolve before a mediation or, or sometimes after. But bottom line is employment law disputes resolve quickly, unlike other disputes, uh, and the process is not uh, usually a confrontational one. You're rarely going to be in a situation where someone's pointing fingers and asking you complicated questions. Uh, so, so many people are afraid of the process when they really don't need to be. The number is one 821 5900 Email is Lior at employmenthour.com. And as we mentioned uh, when we kicked off, severancepaycalculator.com. You want to find out what you're really owed, your proper entitlements. It's right there. It takes about 30 seconds to use that. Lots more of the Employment Hour is uh, coming right up here. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 Lior's number anytime, Lior at employmenthour.com. You want to toss an email his way uh, anytime as well. We're talking about the process of resolving uh, employment disputes, talked about the fact that they don't very incredibly rare uh, for it to go to trial, usually get solved in mediation or even before that. So what is the likelihood of success? Pretty high, right? It, it is high. And when it comes to these employment disputes, if we decide, if we decide to take on a matter, it's not because we're hoping and praying that we could do something. It's because we know what the entitlements are. We know what the processes we need to engage in order to get those entitlements. So, yeah, in, in virtually every case, unless something comes up that we didn't know about, we're able to resolve it on good terms. By good terms, what I mean is to get the person the additional compensation that the law says they should have. So it is, it's not a risky Situation and remember, John. I told you the 98% or so cases don't make it to trial. The only time you can quote unquote lose is if you actually go to trial, and and almost all cases do not. So again, more of a reason not to be scared of the process and not to be uh, not to walk away from entitlements that you have because you assume something is more long or more complicated than it really is. Well, you mentioned the process, so is that as in an expensive one? Yeah, and, and a lot of that's another big fear that people yeah. have as well. You know, if I'm owed twenty thousand dollars, what's going to cost me twenty thousand dollars? What's the point? And I agree with you completely. If if you would have to pay a lawyer or someone else the amount that you can expect to recover, why do it? There's no point in doing that. Well, here's the thing, John. It, it's it, in when it comes to employment disputes, it's rarely an expensive proposition. Sometimes it can be, but it rarely is. Uh, and the reason for that is, number one, these disputes are, are quick. Number two, they're not complicated. And number three, there's various ways to, to compensate and, and, and to pay, including deferred fees or contingency. Uh, so I understand most of my clients are people that lost their jobs. By definition, they don't have a lot of money. So for me to say, hey, pay me $20,000 would be ridiculous. So we don't do that. We work with people. So this, again, should not be an obstacle standing in people's way from uh, pursuing their rights. How long does it usually take to improve that severance? Well, you know, it, it really is a process depending on whether we can resolve it quickly or legal action is commenced. In my experience, probably 85 90% are going to resolve within three to four months. A lot of those, probably 60 70%, can resolve within two to three weeks. So, you know, if, if you're looking at... Uh, a severance package in front of you, and that package is inadequate, you're, you have pretty good odds you can resolve it within the next couple of weeks. And either way, it's not going to be a long process. And here's the thing. It's always worth it while knowing what you are owed at the very least. If you're you know, owed $1,000, you may say, you know what, I'll accept it and forget about it. Fair comment. But what if you're owed 25000 35000 100000 It makes for a different discussion. And that's why it's so important to understand what you're owed before you accept the package 
And at that point, once you've accepted it, it's too late. one 821 5900 is the number. So what advice can you give, say, an individual that's working with an employment lawyer uh, to try to improve their severance? Well, first of all, uh, you have to work with an employment lawyer. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's the first piece of advice that I'll give. So not the person that did your real estate uh, transaction, not the person that uh, wrote your will. Uh, you need to, do, to deal with an employment lawyer. You know, Just like you're not going to go uh, to uh, an ear, nose, and throat specialist if you have a bad back. So for the same reason. So you, first of all, and you're, you don't want to work with me. That's okay, but you need an employment lawyer. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, I would say, obviously, you always have to be honest and tell the whole truth and, and provide some documents. Uh, you know, you want to have a copy of your severance letter in front of you, a copy of an employment agreement if you have it. Maybe if there's any uh, uh, documents that speak to bonuses, maybe there's a bonus plan document, that would be helpful f- uh, for the lawyer to see. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's about picking up a phone or sending an email to pursue those rights and pursue those entitlements or not even to pursue them, just to understand those rights and entitlements. Uh, so as long as you, uh, you, you pick the, a person that specializes in this area, whether it's me or someone else, you'll get good advice and you'll be able to at least know and sleep at night knowing that you, you're not losing on something, you've not, you're not missing out on something, you're not leaving anything on the table that you shouldn't be leaving. As far as inadequate severance, what's the, what do you think the percentages of people receiving that? Yeah, well, John, it, it is the vast majority of people, and I'm going to tell you, oh, it's over 90%. Wow. Uh, you know, these days when, I, when someone comes to me and I look at their severance offer and it's good enough, that that is rare you know we, we we actually make a point in the office to talk about it you know hey you know i actually saw a package there was that it was good it, it's that rare and you know the vast majority of people are offered a lot less than their own and a lot most of those people don't realize that they go they may go on the ministry of labor website and get the incorrect information and with that incorrect information they may look at their severance package and say oh it's good when in fact it's not so if you're, you lost your job or your friend, your mother, et cetera, lost your job, without even looking at it, I'm going to say there's a 90-plus percent chance that what they're owed is a lot more than what they've been offered. I bet you those, uh, those rare chosen few that have an adequate offer is because their employer had a good employment lawyer on their side telling them this is what you got to pay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it could be also an employer that had to go through the process of paying the employee more and learn their lesson. Yeah. So now they know that, okay, well, we have certain obligations, so we're going to meet those obligations. But again, John, that is still fairly rare. Most people are, are offered a lot less than their owed, and most of them accept it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. SeverancePayCalculator.com. Find out what you really owe. It takes about thirty seconds to get an accurate number on your own desktop or your own uh, your tablet or your phone as well. Lior at EmploymentHour.com is the email. We'll return with more of the Employment Hour Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number you should have with you at all times. That'll get you in touch with uh, Lior. SeverancePayCalculator.com. We want to find out what your severance should be. Probably not what you got written on a piece of paper there. Check it out. It takes about 30 seconds to use that particular app. It's, uh, it's excellent. Been around for about four or five years. Now, Lior at EmploymentHour.com. We'll get some emails here in uh, just a moment. We're going to wrap up the topic of discussion for today, and that is the process for resolving employment disputes. Finally, uh, does going through that process of improving severance, does that damage that relationship with the employee with their former employer? 
Yeah, and and that should be a consideration, of course. I mean, you, you never want to burn bridges. I'm a huge believer, and I've built my my career on the basis that you should never burn bridges with anyone because you you never know what the future holds. So I'm mindful of that when I work with an individual and I, I represent an individual is not to burn the bridges. So if I can, and I, it's always my preference not to go in like a like a bull in a china shop making crazy allegations and crazy threats. I always approach this on the basis that I have an issue here that I want to resolve quickly and professionally and amicably. And in the vast majority of cases, we're able to do that. I have yet to have a person tell me that uh, because of because they pursue their entitlements, they now uh, have been harmed somehow or now they've burned the bridges to the point that uh, it's hurt them in any way. I have never had that happen. So that really shouldn't be a concern for most people. Let's get to a couple of emails as we get down the last few minutes here. Fern writes in, says, I've been put on a performance improvement plan for 90 days. Uh, if I do not complete everything on the plan, they will terminate my employment The things they're asking me to get done are not all in my control. I have five other managers who report to me, and I've been giving them coaching and training, but they're not getting their part of the job done, and I'm the only one being put on the performance plan, and my job's at risk. Do they have the right to terminate me without severance pay? Wow, Fern. Well, you know, uh, what an unfortunate situation. Your job is at risk, and and you can only do what you can do. You can't control what other people do, and and, and that's going to be a problem. So the first thing I, I would want someone like Fern to do is I would want you to say that, to express those concerns, just like you've expressed those in those, this email to us. I would want you to write your employer an email, a letter, email is good, uh, simply saying, here's my problems with this performance improvement plan. You're asking me to do all these things that I can't control. The reason why you want to do that is you don't want to be considered to have accepted their demands or, or, or their requirements. It's difficult once you've accepted it to say, well, now I don't like them. So you want to be clear right off the bat with them that what they're expecting you to do is either not possible or out of your control. Now, once you've done that, to the extent that what you've said is correct and you can't really control it, in 90 days, if you've done your part and and the milestones have still not been met, they cannot let you go for cause. They can still let you go, but they would have to pay you full severance. Remember, it's so difficult to let someone go for cause. It is even more difficult to let someone go for cause because of performance reasons. The employer would really have to show that the employee is essentially going out of their way to do a bad job in order for a cause to exist. And in most cases, that's just not going not gonna to happen. So, Fern, make your position known in writing. Express those concerns. You do your best like I'm sure you would anyway. And if your employment is terminated, remember, it's so unlikely to be cause, you'd have to give me a call at that point. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com is the email address. Robert says, I've been working at a pharmacy for over 13 years, five days a week. The owner came in on Friday, told me that he has to reduce me to one day a week only. Can he do that? Wow. Uh, well, I'm assuming also that uh, his salary is going to be right. reduced accordingly. Otherwise, hey, that would be a great deal if you, if yeah. you work one day and get paid for five. But uh, all joking aside, if your employer is going to reduce your you from five days to one days, that is a constructive dismissal with a cherry on top. Uh, it, it's that obvious. You, your employer cannot make such a significant change to the terms of employment. That's a huge change. So you can you have a choice. You can continue working one day a week. I would strongly advise against that. Or you could treat that as a termination, as a constructive dismissal. 
leave and get severance, okay? An employer cannot change employment terms in such a significant way. This is one of those things. And, and again, depending on, on his age, position, and length of employment, he may be owed significant compensation. The problem with accepting that change is what happened, John, if he accepts a reduction to one day and a couple of months later he's let go? Well, he's still going to get severance, but now it's going to be calculated on the basis of one day a week only. So he's going to get a fifth of what he would otherwise get. Very bad idea. I would strongly recommend treating that as a constructive dismissal. We get to one more here. We got a couple minutes left. Only Brian says I've received a letter uh, terminating my employment due to outsourcing my job. I signed a release accepting their severance offer. One week later, I received a call informing me that my termination was a mistake and they were rescinding the termination letter. Can they do this? Where do I go? I want the offer as presented to me. So, you know, if you sign something, uh, then, you know, a deal's a deal uh, in a sense. Just like uh, if you you had second thoughts, you can't back out of it uh, and they have to pay you. Uh, so ultimately, uh, if they presented you with a termination letter, you accepted they can't say, well, no, we're not going to abide by it. Now, uh, if this was legitimately a mistake, they, they wrote the wrong name on a piece of paper, well, maybe there's a way to for them around it. I highly, highly doubt that. So if they have to abide by it, if they don't, give me a call. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of Lior anytime. If you didn't get your email three, you could still send them. He uh, he gets them right away. Lior L I O R at employmenthour dot com. And again, if you haven't used a severance pay calculator, you can download it. It's been around for four or five years. Uh, literally hundreds of thousands of people have used it with great success. Find out where your severance really, really should be. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. Got to thank Barry Fisher one more time, our employment mediator, for dropping by the show, doing a couple segments with us uh, this week. He'll be back uh, for sure. In the meantime, give uh, Lior a call. Keep that email. Keep that phone number handy. And uh, when you need it, it's right there because, trust me, you'll want to get someone like Lior involved in your uh, your dispute. This has been the Employment Hour right here Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.